0: Sonic Statesman What's all?
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sonic Talk number one hundred and eighty-five. Recording live today on Wednesday, the eleventh of August, two thousand and ten. I uh, got a, a very fulsome chat room this week. I'm uh, very, um, very pleased to see lots of people there. All the usual um, suspects. Good to see Howard Scar in the chat room. Then I'm back again. Obviously, didn't um, didn't put you off after last week. Um, <laughs> but thank you very much for your chat. It was very informative. I had some emails uh, saying um, that they really enjoyed that. So thank you very much to you, Howard. And hello, and welcome to my. Uh, present guests who are in fact. We'll start over this side of uh, of, of the river. Uh, we'll start with Dave Spears from g 4 softwarecom How are you, Dave?
2: I'm all right, thank you. I knew you were going to start with me because I was wiring up a plug.
1: Ah, uh, well, that's bound to be it, isn't it? <laughs> Put that down and concentrate on the job in hand, young man.
2: Okay, sorry, sorry, sir. <laughs> anyway, well,
1: glad um, glad to have you aboard. Um, you, uh, did I hear you in the chat show in the show preamble that you're going to be doing a? Uh, you uh, going on the BBC tomorrow. Well, they're coming here. Ooh, is that why you're tidying up? You're wiring up? You're making yes. it safe? Well, I'm trying to make things work. Oh, dear. It's a demonstration yeah, yeah. thereafter, is it? It is, yeah. Of a very old machine.
2: So. Ah, okay. <laughs> and it's for Radio 4, so it's very high-brown intellectual, so I've got to try hard not
1: to swear. Ah, well. You can practice today, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> 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 on <Or> not swearing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, that's good. when are we going to be able, when are we going to be able to see that then? I don't know. I don't know.
2: It's some uh, it's something to do with the crash test dummies who've used this particular instrument all over an album. So I think the BBC kind of want. Yeah,
1: I got a, I got a uh, press release about that and that I was meaning to, um, write, um, to write back and say, yeah, I'd love to do an interview, but I just never got round to it. It's been really crazy here recently. Um, let me just introduce the rest of everybody and, and then perhaps I can com- come back and moan about um, how full my life has been recently. No, yeah, I won't. Yeah. It's great. Uh, anyway, um, thanks very much. g 4 com is where you can find what Dave's up to. Obviously, find software instruments, amongst other things. Um, obviously, appearances uh, for a decent fee on the BBC and all that kind of stuff. So if you're looking for a broadcaster... Anyway, <laughs> uh, we'll also welcome um, uh, uh, Mark Tinley, because we haven't had Mark here for a little while. So, Mark Tinley, how are you?
0: Hello, I'm very well, thank you very much. Ooh, Where are we? we well,
1: what's your URL at the moment? What are you plugging? Because I know you've been doing the Open Boat oh, Orchestra project.
0: Should, yeah, I think we should send them to the Open Boat Orchestra, actually. Okay, i findable and, via Google, but I, the most interesting thing that I'm doing at the moment is the Open Boat Orchestra dot com.
1: Okay, I'm going to put that in. Open Boat orchestra.com because I don't know if you've noticed but there's a new format you know now there's uh, there's, there's a picture of me with my headphones on talking into a mic trying not to pick my nose and then underneath is a stream of the chat room that's actually going live into the video stream so it's all kind of you, know, you can put links in there and all that sort of thing, and they show up at least. Anyway, Mark, that sounds like oh, an exciting, really? oh. it, it sounds like an exciting project, because you asked me to mention it last week, and I did a very poor effort of uh, explaining it, I think. And perhaps you could, uh, you could elaborate on that a little bit, now we've actually got you here in person.
0: Okay, I'll elaborate on it a little bit. Um, I've been in touch with a lady called Leah Ditton, who is a round-the-world yacht woman. Yeah, And she's taking part in the Barcelona World Race 2010, which is the equivalent of Formula One for the yachting fraternity. And um, she is an artist and a sailor. And she asked me if I could convert the data, going out the data logger in the boat, into music. Now, okay. I've got a brother who's a marine electronics engineer, my brother Richard. And I rang Richard up and said, "How difficult would this be to do?" And he said, "Yes, we can make a box that can do that and so um basically I'm taking a whole load of pieces of music which she's said are representative of different states at sea while she's sailing, yeah, and um I'm analyzing them, turning them into prototypes for note tables and putting them into this box my brother Richard's making. And we've also, uh, we've already made like a prototype. So we've got a masthead unit, like a wind speed indicator and stuff. We've uh, kind of reprogrammed that to spit out MIDI notes. So actually Richard will get cross with me if I say that. Richard has reprogrammed it to spit out MIDI notes. (laughs) Um, So it's a kind of a case of just making that more... Uh, complicated, I guess, adding more and more... <laughs> so, hold on,
1: the music that's is output is just th- this data that's coming off the various bits of the boat. You're interpreting mm-hmm. that somehow into music, or it's triggering clips, depending on what. Uh, that's what I, I'm not clear on.
0: Uh, I'm interpreting it into music, so I'm oh, going okay. to use it as modifiers to constrain prototypes. So the way I see... Uh, so how long have you got?
1: <laughs> well, you know, we've got a few topics to get through, but, but I, I think... So the the... The, w-
0: the way i see the way I see music is when we go out into the world, right, say my washing line is sitting in the garden and it's an open pipe, and the wind blows it blows past the end of the pipe and the and the pipe makes a musical note right uh, as well as the fundamental note that it makes, it makes like a series of harmonic notes based on the length of the pipe, doesn't it right right, so those are the real world things, so the way human beings interpret those sounds and turn those into music is that we, the the western musical scale has a rough equ- equivalent or equation to the harmonic the natural scale of harmonics in naturally occurring things so if i program a computer to make generative music and i don't tell it how human beings listen to music it's going to create the stuff that people have been creating for the last 30 or 40 years so like in terms of like computer generative music which tends to be chromatic and has no real basis in any kind of melody that I've ever kind of noticed it's always this kind of wandering and meandering isn't it so what uh-huh. I, I basically want to give the box a whole set of rules to work on which is basically going to be scales and modes um uh-huh. and to use the data coming from the boat as modifiers for the the scales and modes. And I know programs like Coan and Notakill and those kinds of things do that to an extent, but I want to make it more constrained and I want to give it a set of very specific musical rules to work with so that it's working much more like a composer would work as opposed to working like a computer would.
1: You're kind of giving it a creative brain. That sounds like an exciting project. Maybe we're, um, exactly. we, we can talk about it in more depth at, um, you know, in a sort of do a special on it because that, that sounds like a really interesting project and a lot of uh, interesting problems to solve. It sounds like this lady was very fortunate to ask you because you have a uh, marine biologist, a, a marine engineer. A
0: so, I um, mean, we're actually doing a workshop tomorrow night with a whole load of musical people are coming along to it, including my brother Adam. So there will be three Tinley brothers in the same room. Wow. It could get interesting.
1: The trio. Be like a barbershop.
0: So, She'll so, 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 so have the pop star, the technician, and the... Um, marine electronics engineer all at, all in the same space
1: <laughs> right i can see rich is waiting to be introduced now i'm sorry about that rich but uh, thank you very no, much no, no, Mark. No, it's cool. It's <laughs> just
3: funny. It's just okay. observation.
1: <laughs> but yes your observation your observation is uh, entirely correct there <laughs> um but uh, mark that sounds great i really would like to do some more on this because it sounds like it's going to be a great project because it's actually going to be um not when does it all kick off in october
0: uh, the race well we're gonna start testing the boat shortly at the end of this month. I think oh, right. the well, actual that... race itself is from the thirty first of December mm. for about ninety days. Oh right, how okay. Get the world. So
1: a few albums so, will be. Yeah, I'd there. love
0: to do that. Brilliant. We'll... <laughs>
1: yeah. we'll definitely do <laughs> potentially, that.
0: Potentially potentially ninety times twenty four hours of music if we stream yeah. it, but I don't think we'll do that. But yeah, I'd love to do that, yes.
1: Well, openboatorchestra.com. dot is that right
0: yes
1: okay well thanks I'll mark stop
0: and, and,
1: um, and, and i'll introduce rich hilton who's been waiting patiently but i suspect he may have been enjoying some breakfast although i can't tell because he's a master of the mute button amongst many other things rich hilton uh, hiltonius uh, at myspace.com forward slash hiltonius i'm mis- working with mr Nar rogers on a regular basis i guess you must have a busy day in the studio ahead
3: of you how are you doing rich I'm doing great, thank you Nick. And uh, I very much enjoyed Mark's story and it even uh brought up a couple of questions or comments. So here they come. Um Mark, if you're going to confine it to scalar material, have you considered either using well using octaves that contain more than 12 subdivisions or or in general not using scalar, let letting the music be determined by the sounds themselves rather than forcing them to pitch? Uh, yes.
0: Okay,
3: good. <laughs> yes, you've <laughs> considered, considered that. Very good. I've,
0: I've considered that uh, I want it to output MIDI because I want other musicians to be able to collaborate with it and remix it. So I want it to uh, conform to equal temperament scale that everyone else has got in their synthesizers. So I did think about doing that, but then I thought it okay. would make it much harder for people to interact with it, and I really want it to, to uh, be an interactive experience. Because what I haven't told you is at the end of it, there's going to be four concerts around the world which are going to be uh, aimed at raising awareness about the state that the oceans are in and that various different people, who I can't mention yet, have promised to come and play at some of these concerts. Oh, that sounds uh, really exciting. They need to be able to play with the boat. And if I make it too musically strange, the only person that will be able to play along with it would be Dweasel Zappa, and. Um, or yeah, another boat, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> another Maybe boat. you could get the,
1: the Catamaran Brothers in. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist that pun. <laughs> anyway, well, everybody, welcome and welcome, welcome um, to the show. Thanks very much for that information, Mark. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about this when we can, uh, when, when you've got a bit more kind of uh, you know, hands-on experience of how, how it all works out. It sounds like a fascinating project. Um, before we started, I just wanted to... There was a couple of questions, and one question came about because, uh, for those who are interested, I'm now running... Sonic State is now running entirely in the cloud. It's running on some Amazon EC2 servers. But at the switch over, I lost an email, which I read, but I didn't get a chance to get the uh, address back. And it was a, from a guy called Arim, who said, how do you manage to route system audio iTunes music back into the Skype calls while broadcasting? And I just wanted to say that. Um, it, actually, what I use is a mixing desk. It's the only real way with uh, dual busing. So you know, when I'm not routing it through, I'm just monitoring. And when I'm routing it through, I switch to an alternative bus. Uh, if that answers your question. Uh, please feel free to email me again, and hopefully I'll get it this time. And I also wanted to say uh, thank you to Carlos Sanchez-Draves, who I hope I've pronounced correctly. He's in the chat room, and he he dropped us a line saying that he heard our uh, podcast. Uh, I think it was Podcast 181 when I was talking about Subversion. And there was a couple of other really interesting uh, options that c- you can use. Uh, one is called Git, um, which is actually written by Linus Torvald, who is the father of Linux, so that might be worth checking out. And uh, indeed, Akai IP in the chat room also says, yes, it's a very useful um, versioning control system for creative teams everywhere, so do check that out. Um, and, well, I guess we could start. Um, I-, I suppose one of the first things, this is actually quite apt, really, because... Um, this is sort of a, a, a tie in with you, Rich. I hope that you don't, that, that this um, doesn't uh, put you in any awkward situations. But I was watching, I just happened to be on YouTube watching, you know, clicking around and following links. And I heard this great clip of uh, Niall Rogers talking on uh, a, something called, I'm trying to remember, Music Matters, which I think was in Asia. And he was just talking about how various songs came about. And this one I thought was very interesting. I just want to play it for you just quickly.
3: I said, said, so instead of of giving giving us the biggest biggest act on the group, I mean, giving giving us the the biggest act on the label, why don't you give us the smallest act on the label, and then if we get get hit hit with them, them, we can show you what we truly do. And uh, he said to us, and and he's basically giving us a speech, and we're sitting there listening and trying to act like we're professionals and we know what we're doing. We wore suits and everything, and he says, uh, well, we have this group, uh, and they're called Sister Sledge. And whenever they come to the label, uh, everybody thinks that they're wonderful girls and they stick together like birds of a feather. You know, they're really like family to us. And we went home and we looked at what he had said and he had basically dictated the lyrics of the song we Are Family" almost verbatim. We just looked at his notes and we just sort of, you know, reworked them and it was literally uh,
1: the rest, as they say, is history. Um, that's a great clip, though. I, I don't know, uh, Rich, you've probably heard that story before because you work with the man. But uh, I thought it was just brilliant to get a bit of background on, the, on kind of how songs came about. But the fact that he was in a meeting, an A&R meeting, and he found inspiration there and wrote down what this guy was saying as a kind of lyrical inspiration to the song he was going to write for this group. I just thought that was kind of really cool yes i 'm sorry I, I, I killed at the best part not, rich you you 're quite right, but there's a terrible there, there, it 's a really poor recording and there's there 's some doubling so i didn 't want to kind of go too far but anyway um but it, i and I, and I wrote this question down because I thought well I, and then I wondered whether or not we'd perhaps covered it before but i 'll say it anyway but so when inspiration comes, what do you do because I, I I remember when I was a kid, you know I used to have the four track in the bedroom, and so i'd sort of almost kind of get myself into a preparatory mental state by just sitting there and playing around and then stuff would come out. But when it kind of grabs you and you're away from the, your, your, med- your preferred medium, then what do you do? I mean, clearly Niall just writes it down and can translate it and hold that thought, as, as lots of people do. But uh, maybe start with you, Rich, because um, you have the kind of closest link to this, uh, to this particular topic.
3: Well, as regards what I do, uh, I don't write that much, but when I do it, results from one of two processes. Either I've gotten something into my head, and I have to bring it out, and so I'll go to whichever instrument is closer, the keyboard or the guitar, and try to work out what's going on in my head and find a way to preserve it so that I'll remember it later. (laughs) Or the other one is applied writing, which is kind of even though it doesn't necessarily sound like it as he tells it, what they did here, because the lyrics most likely didn't come first in their process of creating the song. They left that meeting, went back, knew they were going to write a song about the family concept, maybe, you know, and I'm not even sure about that. I'm speculating here because I have heard him tell the story in, in various ways at various times, but, and he's, a heck of a guy and quite the rock contour, so it's never really, you know, it's never tiresome to listen to him tell these stories. And um they would have gone back and known they had a song to write. And, he, and for the most part, I think he sometimes writes, I mean, in his case, he sometimes just writes because he feels like it, and he sometimes writes because we have something we have to direct it towards. And then sometimes I don't really know what it's for when we're doing it. So, in my own case, it's either applied writing where you have a task and you set about to write it. Right. Or. Like a brief is almost, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. A commercial, demo, or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, an artist sends you something and you, you want to fix it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or whatever, you know. But, but, uh, it, so it's either this divine moment of inspiration or it's something you've set about to do. And either way is fine with me. And you get, I don't, I don't know that one's better than the other. You just don't get those divine moments of inspiration. I don't know, every day.
1: (laughs) It's interesting, actually, that you say that, because, I mean, if you're not kind of at heart a writer, then... It's got to be something fairly special that's going to want to compel you to go and do something about it, I suppose, isn't it? So that you would, you know, then feel, you know, find an outlet for it. But uh, so, so maybe that's part because I don't really write, but occasionally I come up with a line or a melody, and I just think, right, I, I want to write it down somewhere. But I don't actually have a kind of go-to thing, and I should probably. I mean, I suppose with mobile phones and voice recorders and all this sort of things, a lot of stuff coming in the chat room saying that they just, you know, record into their iPhone or whatever. That makes sort of sense. I mean, I guess Mark, you, you have kind of a lot of inspirational thoughts um, I don't know whether that I, yeah, translates in terms of do you, do you tend to make notes of that in, a, in a, a handheld device or do you wait till you get back to the studio how does that work
0: um, it almost always gets recorded into my iPhone which means that it almost always never gets listened to ever again it <laughs> stays in your iPhone <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, so I must have thousands and thousands of recordings, and I used to turn them all into podcasts, which you probably heard my podcast a couple of years ago. But I stopped doing it because it just was so much editing involved in sort of chopping them all up and making the idea sound coherent. That I haven't done that for a while. But um, same with music. I mean, if I have a musical idea, I quite often either sing it into the phone or play it into the phone on a guitar. Um, But then all of those ideas actually. I think part of the process of recording it into another device is that uh, it puts it somewhere else other than your memory, doesn't it? So then I might remember that idea later and think, ah, oh, I've had this idea before or something, or if I'm playing the guitar or if somebody's asked me to do something and, and I think that that might be a fit for that, I can then go back and I'll remember roughly when I had the idea and uh, go and listen to the recording of it, and sort of expand on it then, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've had one, I've had one thing that I keep playing into the phone in various different guises. I've been doing it for about two or three years now. It's amusing, which is, which I must do something with.
1: It's funny, isn't it? But because uh, often, you know, I if I have a thought I can sometimes it, the whole thing is kind of orchestrated beyond my ability to do it myself and then maybe singing it or or mumbling it into a recording device does that kind of glue or stick those surrounding feelings and orchestration around it Or oh, that usually gets lost for me I d- uh, and I listen and I can't think what was I thinking it's just it's, it's not a trigger at all I find it kind of goes oh. completely sometimes it doesn't always it's wow. not a, like a it's not always a marker for the entire thought it's just you know Maybe a melody and it has that, to be...
0: I find that with notes if I type notes on something so if mm-hmm. i if I have an idea about something for a book or something and i and I suddenly type in like Presbyterian Church, three paces left, blah blah blah, and then a number or something. Uh, uh, i'll come back to that in a month and go what the bloody hell was that and <laughs> it seems read, so obvious read, at the time for hours like going what was i on about and and then i just end up deleting those notes because they make no sense at all but right. the, but the audio recordings anchor it for me so okay maybe you need to find another uh another medium, another medium that somehow
1: dave spears how does it work for you? I mean, what's your kind of... Because, I mean, I know you have various side projects and musical projects that presumably inspiration comes for at at inopportune times, perhaps. Yeah, normally night.
2: Um, I've, I've learned actually, just ignore them, because they will all end in bitter disappointment.
3: <laughs> oh!
2: <laughs> no, that's a complete lie. Um, <laughs> uh, if you've got any inspiration, folks, just ignore it. No, um, <laughs> That's not true at all. I use my <laughs> iPhone loads and loads. And what's really funny is when I sync my iPhone with my computer, it lobs all of these clips that I've walked down the street, sort of doing me singing and whatnot, into iTunes. Uh, so sometimes yeah. I can have people round for dinner and all of a sudden Oh, you've got to an shuffle.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and I have to sort of run into the next room and go, ah oh, yes. No,
0: no. Like,
1: that's cracking, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so I, I I've got that too. I've got like a network drive and I sometimes put the Roku uh, on shuffle and then it'll just fire up a podcast, which is not always <laughs> appropriate for, a, for um, you know, for a dinner party or, you know, when the relatives are around, etc. <laughs> Brilliant. So, yeah, so it seems like, I mean, that's one thing that the, obviously iPhones and mobile device. I use, I use the mobile device for that sometimes, but then uh, it's, it's never, it's always out of sight, isn't it? I suppose that's the thing. It always seems to be out of sight or often out of sight anyway i thought that was kind of fun and um so it's interesting to know what people people do use but um anyway if you do get a chance do check out um those uh Nile rogers uh things let me tell i'll put a cli- i'll put the link in the uh, in the in the stream so people can see and well, mind you they're not going to read that as it goes past very easily but there you go um some great stuff he talks about That's all it? sorts of things Sorry, Mark. Has
0: anybody noticed, um, I, in my iPhone, I've been typing things into the notes section of the of you know, the notes thing, and I've noticed that it seems to be synchronizing with something now, and every so often it will just wipe out the last thing I've typed. It's infuriating. Oh, really? So I'll type like a whole load of stuff. The little star thing at the top that spins around when it's synchronizing starts spinning around, and suddenly I go to type the next thing, and a whole paragraph just goes... Disappears. Probably got too
1: many too many characters, maybe.
0: No, because then other times I've I've gone back to something later, and then suddenly it's there. It, it seems to be it's it's almost like it's syncing up with something, but I can't see what because I don't have a mobile me account.
1: Oh dear, I, so I couldn't it's like say. It's synchronizing, actually...
0: it's synchronizing with something, sending it off somewhere, and sometimes I get it back, and sometimes it don't. It's, oh, wow. and, it's, and it's nearly always when I'm on the train and I've got like a bad signal. Hmm.
1: I don't know what that is. It's not funny, like actually. I've been, through, I've been through the uh, entire emotional uh, roller coaster this week, because uh, my phone is um, starting to get broken, which is uh, my trusty Nokia N97. The memory's gone, and, uh, and I, so I was thinking about getting an iPhone anyway, but... And I've been looking into it, and now I've just realised that I'm actually not going to get an iPhone, because I suddenly thought Android is on the rise, and if I buy an iPhone, I'm going to be stuck into that operating system and hardware for two years. So I'm going to wait. I've decided not to do the iPhone thing. I'm going to uh, stick with the ipad and with all the various macs i've got and try and get a better phone so yeah iphone is off the list oh. even though some of those apps and the 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 cameras are very um compelling but anyway that's a bit of a side a side issue um uh oh did you see the cb uh, cbgb's thing yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. I, I'm guessing yeah. this might be um, something that's close to you, Rich, because it's not far geographically from where you are. CBGB is obviously <laughs> the legendary New York uh, kind of indie grunge club that uh, saw <laughs> the rise of bands such as uh, Blondie, Dead Boys, Dictators, Heartbreakers, Johnny Thunders, Richard Hell and the Voidoys, Ramones, Talking Heads and Television, classic uh, sort of new wave American acts. They've uh, they basically decided um, that there's going to be... Uh, a, an exact recreation of the CBGB's toilet, of which there's a fine photograph on the news item that I, I posted. Uh, we put that in the show notes, too, although, again, it's probably going to be a little bit too long. Um, being made by American artist Justin Lowe. The exhibit will run from September the 5th at the Wadworth Anthenium in Connecticut, which I'm guessing is kind of, well, it's certainly in the same state as you. Uh, obviously, the CBGB was opened in uh, 1973, stands for Country Bluegrass and other music for uplifting gourmandisers, because it's CBGB and OMFUG. Love to have gone there. Um, Every time Mm -hmm. I've been to New York, I've never been... But the picture of the toilet really kind of reminded me of a club I used to work in. And uh, I don't know if you got to see it. I'll put this link in the show. It's absolutely brilliant. There's actually a 3D panorama tour that you can take. It's like a flash thing where you can kind of go to the mixing booth and have a look at the gear, go on the stage, go to the, go into the toilet, look up and down. And it, I mean, the whole place is just covered in stickers and kind of posters and stuff. But it looks like, I mean, without putting too fine a point, it looks like a real toilet both in the toilet and outside the toilet, but it's got such a lot of atmosphere.
3: Anybody, uh, have you been there, Rich? I was there once. Okay. It, it sort of culturally wasn't terribly consistent with my thing, but there was one time when David Allen was bringing a version of Gong to New York, and they happened to be playing at CBGB's, so I thought, all right, well, this is an opportunity to see this legendary place and David Allen's band, whatever it turns out to be. And uh very much enjoyed the show. And uh was it's it was, you know, it was a rock bar. It yeah. did have a very well painted bathroom, I will say that. It was it was an impressively painted space. <laughs> um and so you've there actually are other been you have been in, in that very room? Yeah, well, you know, I was in the bar and I was drinking beer. So wow, I just, I, I just,
1: That's I'm looking at that picture now, and I'm looking at the throne there, and I'm thinking, Rich, I'm making the connection. I'm just, it's, it's, it's not, and I don't think it's, it's not sordid or anything. It's actually quite, it's quite an honourable link, I think.
3: Well, <laughs> well, it's funny. I have a theory about all that because I have uh, stood at those things next to some of the most famous people in the world, and my theory is that for the 30 seconds you're standing there, all people are the same. That's very and then you go wash, And then you go wash your hands and you return to being who you were before.
1: <laughs> the great leveller. Yeah. John Eaton in the chat room says uh, that's the way all the toilets looked in all the clubs uh, from 79 to 83, yeah. which is probably a very <laughs> good point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it looks uh, – Mark, did you ever go there?
0: Um I really can't remember. <laughs> Just say <so> you did. <laughs> I've, been in, I've been in several places that look like that. See, I mean, where was that? It's in New, New York, York, is it?
1: CBGB's. Yeah, I don't know where it was. It's uh, it's in Manhattan, I guess, isn't it? But I'm not sure where it is. Is it, is it still open? I'm right. In thinking. It, it is still open, I believe. I
0: went on a fantastic kind of excursion of all the clubs in New York with a uh, guy called Nat Finkelstein, who's died, actually, now. Um, used to be a photographer, uh-huh. and I think uh, when my brother Adam sort of had his, you know, peak of fame, Nat and Adam became very good friends, and uh, we went on these I don't know these wild kind of nights out. But Nat <laughs> just w- like would walk up to the door of any club and they'd let him in, and we all just kind of tailed along behind him. So I went to loads of clubs in New York, but I can't tell you the names of them. And I've seen lots of toilets that look like that as well along the way. <laughs> I remember. In fact, the marquee toilet was exactly like that, wasn't it?
1: That's the marquee but club narrower. in London. I've never been to the marquee. Well, the dressing, well, I went to the, the th-
0: dressing room was kind of like that, but narrower. I mean, you could, yeah. in fact, I remember in the dressing room in the marquee, you could put your back against one wall and your feet on the other wall and you could walk up the wall till you were at the top of the wall and then people would walk in underneath you and then you could jump down behind them and frighten them.
1: Yeah, I bet that <laughs> I did, yeah. If what if they spin round mid? Uh, no, don't mind. Let's not. Let's Land not. On let's <laughs>
0: It's ah, very what? narrow. That spec, though. Dave, i all sure. scribbled. All-
1: yeah, well, I remember there was a, because there was a um, Moles Club where I kind of cut my teeth and learned my my my, my craft of, uh, well, or lack of, of uh, s- live sound engineering had a dressing room that uh, I think could, should be, I don't know if it's, no matter how many times it's redecorated, it always looks grotty and covered in graffiti, and I think those things have, you know, they have a certain atmosphere that you just don't get anywhere else, because, I mean, no one else would put up with that level of uh, grottiness, I don't know, Dave, have you, uh, have, have you been to CBGB's? Yeah, I went once in,
2: uh, probably, 91, and it was a pit, and then I went back, I didn't actually go, I went in the first time, and I can't remember, it was just a load of bands on, I mean, it really was a pit, I went, because I was working with somebody who had kind of been part of that scene, and I thought it would impress them if I went back and said, I've just been to where it all started, but they were completely unimpressed, uh, and then I went back in about 2005. Chris and I went to New York and we walked down there. In fact, I think I had dinner in a place opposite and it had changed beyond all recognition. It's in become fact, like a tourist attraction, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, it, the, the area as well. I mean, it was a real dive in the sort of 70s. I mean, pretty much. Is it Alphabet, what, C- is it Alphabet
1: not, City? Was it down there?
2: It was a Bowery. And, oh. I mean, in 1991, I remember... That was the last time I'd been to New York. And I remember saying to everybody, I wasn't interested in ever going back again. It was a horrible place. And then when we went back in, so I hadn't gone back until like 2005. And both Chris and I were exactly the same. And we just fell in love with it as well. And we both, you know, kind of stopped going at, in 91. At, at amazing place. Cleaned mm-hmm. up. Just yeah. amazing. The difference. It's like a completely different world. Yeah. Have you mean well, New I,
0: York itself or the club? Yeah. Well, both, yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah that's Everywhere, true. I mean, you know. we were I I, and... I've had exactly the same experience. I went there in, like, 1989, and I I wasn't that into New York. And then when I went back in about 2000, I think it was, I absolutely loved it. I, I looked – it's a totally different yeah. experience. So has the city changed then?
1: Yeah, it's a lot more crowded, a lot more touristy. I went to Times Square um, when I met you, Rich, at the um, – Oh, the AES, a couple of years back. We were, went to Times mm-hmm. Square one day, and uh, it was just totally different to how I remember it. I mean, absolutely rammed. You could hardly move. And when I was there last, which was probably 90... So, well, first time, certainly around 1991, it was... it wasn't. It, it was, but it, it felt much more kind of edgy and uh, dangerous. Mm. Uh, yeah. It was I quite mean, exciting. Chris I, tells, yeah. Chris tells a fantastic
2: story where when they were driving the trucks in for some gig... They literally used to have to drive, like bumper to bumper, because if they stopped at traffic lights, people would be robbing the gear out of the back. Oh man! And that just didn't happen. You know, I think that was '89, and after that, you know, some, somewhere along that, it was Giuliani, obviously. Yeah, changed zero,
1: the zero tolerance thing, wasn't it? Well, it works in a lot of ways. Uh, One thing that I did enjoy, you really must go to the, um, to to the actual website for CBGBs because there is a panorama and I went back into the sound booth. You can actually go there and zoom in. There's, and it's classic. It's, it's just like this kind of absolute certainty. There's an old SoundCraft live desk a rack mm-hmm. of cheap compressors and a Yamaha Rev 7. <laughs> it's just like yep. classic 80s uh, live sound setup, you know. They, what they didn't have, which I was a bit disappointed to see, was there was no Drama 201s gates. There's always you always got to have six of those or four, anyway, for the drum kit. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't that's have those, fair. so... Yeah, so that's the only thing that was lacking, but it was just great to see that. I, honestly, I, I sort of stood virtually behind it, and this was about an hour ago, and thought, this reminds me of a club I used to work in. You know, it looked exactly... <laughs> it's about <laughs> the same size as Moles, apart from these, like, line of sight's a bit better. It's probably a bigger than Moles, actually, which is a bath club. Moles anyway, is almost as
2: legendary though,
1: isn't it? I think it's had its time, yeah. I mean, I worked there from about 1987, maybe, to 90, 91, 90, something like that. And uh, yeah, it was good fun. Did some great stuff there. There were some really good, uh, good moments. Uh, in fact, I played a little bit of um, London Beat, um, just before the show, nine a.m. on the New York subway, um, which is a lovely track, and uh, I think that was either recorded there uh, or um, it was on the album that was recorded there because they did a live recording. And I remember, I think, I can't remember if I did the sound for it, but I remember Will, it's Will I Am who was the first Will I Am, not the Black Eyed Peas Will I Am, the guy who came out of Bristol, who was the one who then went on to do Rocket Networks and eventually what ha- what came what turned out to be the um, digit, digit design file transfer and sharing thing i don't know what that's called do you know what that's called rich you must use that stuff you know for digi delivery i think did avid or digi design bought it off him and i remember meeting him at uh, Mm -hmm. at one of the first nams and he had a massive smile on his face because obviously he just coined an enormous (laughs) amount of cash (laughs) (laughs) i don't know and was just sort of there doing all the kind of yeah yeah in fact i think he did a little demo for a presentation for us i forget now i've got it somewhere in the in the archives but very funny times Anyway, I, I I I can't believe the time's going on. It's, I should really do an ad for our our, our wonderful sponsor, who in fact, um, well, obviously this week with the sponsors are going to be uh, well, the Yamaha.co.uk. Uh, Uh, Very pleased to be able to say um, that they are still a sponsor of the show. We haven't frightened them off yet. Uh, We've done, um, actually, this week, uh, Monday it was, uh, Bert Smorenberg and Peter Peck came down with a prototype of the Motif XF, which is uh, the one thing that they've just announced. It's the sort of latest version of the Motif workstation range. Uh, And it's got double the Wave ROM of previous models. It's got uh, up to 2 gigabytes of optional Flash Wave ROM, which you can load up with uh, waveform data and so. Samples or whatever, so that, that comes back in real time. Really good for live shows, so you can run the whole thing, like BVs, backing tracks, big triggers, whatever, just uh, straight from a keyboard without needing a laptop. Eight-element synth architecture, uh, si- oh, gosh, 97 drum kits, 128 megabytes of onboard sample RAM as well. So uh, the previous versions of Motif didn't ship with any RAM, so this now, actually, you buy Motif, you get a sample straight out of the box. 512 performances, uh, intelligent arpeggiators, uh, direct usb Recording. Uh, there's just a whole bunch of things, new form, large format, voice libraries from Garotan, Sonic Reality, Easy Sounds and more, which you can load into the Wave ROM, lots and lots. Anyway, Bert came down and gave us a great demo, I posted it yesterday, Uh, if you want to find out what it's all about, go and check that out, I've got some other footage to show of him, uh, when I asked him a few more questions, a bit more in depth, because Bert does a sort of, um, like a sort of, almost a a, a show, and uh, he was very kind enough to do that for us, um, the other day, but I've got some uh, in depth stuff as well. Um, Please do check, Check it out. I mean, no, it's not in the stores yet. Um, but if you get a chance, because they're going to be touring it around, doing some in stores demonstrations, d- demonstrations or whatever, do check it out because it's uh, it's definitely a big step up from the previous motifs. And while you're at it, um, please also go and check out YamahaDownload.com. Um, there's a, a bunch of stories on there, including uh, OS updates for the Motif XF, the previous version. Uh, I'm presuming some of that uh, new stuff has trickled down. Uh, new editors for the S90XS and KX series. Uh, also, Cubase 5, 5.5 gets an upgrade, an interview with Marco Mendoza, Thin Lizzy Basis, and some drum kit downloads for the DTX series of electronic drum kits. If you want to get to all that stuff... Please go to sonicstate.com forward slash Yamaha and it'll forward it in a kind of trackable way and then they can uh, see exactly how effective and brilliant this method of advertising is uh, for Yamaha. Once again, we do thank you very much, uh, yamaha.co.uk, for your continued sponsorship of the show. sonicstate.com forward slash Yamaha. Right, let's get back here. Um, Gosh, well, I don't know which to do next. We've got actually tons of topics. and uh, Anybody got a fave? Uh, Any, anybody want to talk it. anything, anything specifically? I mean, obviously we've got, uh, complete seven. The native instrument is out, but, uh, new complete Con- collection, which I guess is, you know, we, there's probably not much to say apart from the fact it's got a whole, but it's got 24 elements now. Admittedly, a lot of those are now kind of contact related, uh, sound banks, but you know, still bunch of things there. they're um, giving away
3: Scarby's whole. Gig. Yeah, the Scarby
1: <laughs> stuff. But well, I'm sure he must be getting something for it. But um, there must have Oh, done no
3: it. doubt. But it's all in there. Yeah, all the, the cool Scarby stuff. stuff. That's
1: one highlight, isn't it? Definitely. Um, what else? Uh, o- Aussie's keyboards. Come on, keyboards. I need to know whether that's a VP three thirty or whether that's one of the VKs. And that's what I want to know. All right, I'm going to play this now <laughs> because I think this was uh, this was quite a fun topic as well. So let me just play Aussie. Ozzy from uh, Ozzy Osbourne live. Uh, Ozzy, Jake E. Lee, Tommy Aldridge, and Bob Daisley rocking the U.S. festival in 1983. Got that via um, Matrix Synth. He spotted that it was a couple of clips there. Uh, it was, and uh, he had a, a big uh, that. That introduction was the song um, Crowley. Guesses about Alistair Crowley, but I'm sure I recognised that in synth introduction because that must have been the keyboard player's big moment, and it was a mass. I don't know how many people you reckon there. What hundred thousand people? It was huge, wasn't it? Absolutely massive. The keyboard spotting. I was wondering what was. The- I-, I spotted. I don't know which Ob oberheim it was. Was it an Ob uh, like eight? That looked like either eight. an X or an yeah an XXA. XXA or eight. Okay, and then there's uh, yeah, the XA or eight. Memory Moog. Yeah, yeah, got that one, and I definitely, I wasn't sure whether it was like, yeah, was a Roland VP three thirty or uh, one of the other um, VK VK nineteen eighty three, and there was a Yamaha CP seventy. Anyone get that one or CP eighty underneath the Obey? Right. You right. only got that when the cameraman was coming down at the last minute.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but but I don't know what all that other stuff was sitting on the memory mug and the and the uh, the Roland thing. I would guess it's either going to be an organ.
1: Or uh, an electric piano, my guess. As a, what do you think?
3: The likelihood yeah, could of have a, could have been a Rhodes, I guess. They yeah, use oh. Rhodes in Aussie music. I don't know.
1: I don't know really. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, the one thing that I did really get the feeling of was, for all its kind of you know, for all of Aussie's fantastic kind of showbiz history, he he didn't really strike me as a very good live performer in terms of getting the crowd going. He seemed a little, but but <laughs> to be honest. the the, the first video was really funny because there's him, he's dressed in this kind of massive medicine man sort of thing, and it's him going oh god, this great costume is going to really freak him out, and he runs (laughs) on stage and everybody's sort of squinting to see what this bloke in a kind of string outfit's looking at and before they can figure out what's going on he just rips off and goes, it's me! (laughs) It just (laughs) just seemed like a really ill-advised bit of stagecraft and uh, just didn't really come across at all, so it was just quite funny So just, and he seemed very desperate to get feedback which I guess you imagine, but it's so funny far away from the audience and there were so many of them it it, it struck me as being kind of quite a, a, an empty experience for everybody um, all concerned unless of course you're a massive aussie fan I, i'm not so i suppose it wasn't really signed to me perhaps i'm being too harsh am i
3: no no you're not being nearly harsh enough <laughs> nearly harsh enough <laughs> would you like to hear somebody get much harsher than that <laughs> okay <laughs> Yeah, go, go, do <laughs> it. Joking, joking. joking. <laughs> Nick is being plenty harsh, actually. Okay, no, I
1: just, I just, I was, because I was thinking it's such a huge collected experience, you know, that massive, all those people there, and Ozzy was at that time really huge, but it just didn't seem to have any kind of charisma, which was weird. I just didn't expect it, that at all. I thought it was going to be much more, and I guess it was a daytime gig as well, so you didn't get any of the atmosphere of the lights and stuff. Sorry,
0: I find him weirder to listen to than John Lydon, because when I was a kid, John Lydon, Lydon, Lydon whatever yeah. way you would say that, he was sort of like my hero. And as I got into my 30s and 40s, I looked back at him and thought, wow, he was just some snotty-nosed teenager at that point, um, like doing his thing, and I was really impressed by that. But Ozzy Osbourne, um, when you look back at him in retrospect, it seems... Even more ridiculous, if I guess. It just say seems it. like he's,
1: it's almost so like he's wandered into the... a situation he's not quite familiar with, which he must have surely. Yeah, done.
0: but the lyrics, <laughs> the lyrics to some of their early songs are just like, what is he on about? And then this whole, that whole Black Magic cult thing, it's so ridiculously staged when you look back at it from the whole perspective of sort of understanding. That most of the time, that black magic stuff is ridiculously staged anyway. Yeah. But like watching somebody that clearly knew nothing about it ridiculously staging it is all the more <laughs> ironic. So, so there was sort of you know the stat element to it. But then my five-year-old <laughs> East absolutely loves uh, the War War Pigs and Iron Man, and all those. Just like we've had that on loop.
1: But that's not him. That's uh, Tony Gar- Iommi. You know, that's the that's the Sabbath guys. There's a great. A uh, Shane King in the chat room says a girlfriend who of mine who was a big uh, fan of Ozzy saw him and thought he was terrible live. Uh, to which Rich answers, "Your girlfriend is very astute." <laughs> 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 Oh, we must be anyway. Let's talk about the synths. I mean, that's quite quite a hectic, uh, quite quite a large collection. Shall we? Can we steer it back to not being so cruel, or is oh, yeah, it uh, just on. inevitably <laughs> going to go back there?
0: I'll be very quiet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hard work, though. VP, th- VP three thirty Mark One KSR eighty says in the. Uh, I, I think it chat. is, and I
2: think that clip you that that you played showed that, didn't it? Because that's but, a definitely stringy sound.
1: But it had a bit of a vocoder thing going on there. I heard one.
2: Yeah, and that's where the mic is positioned, isn't it, over that way?
1: Uh, okay. It's got to be. God,
3: how, what anoraks are we? That is, you know, we we've actually Bush. kind of. He was also singing background vocals. Uh in, okay. uh in the whatever train song that is that he does, all blah blah That one. Oh, I, like that. <laughs> I
0: thought. Finish you, with my woman. Were, yeah. Before you before you finish that word, I thought you were going to sing. he was actually sw- singing backwards what I thought you That were would going have, to have been David. good. Yeah. That would have been actually
1: something to kind of go, "Hey, well, good. Good job."
0: <laughs> Are we done with Black Sabbath because I just has anybody seen Tara Bush singing backwards on YouTube? Yeah, that was Massifer. That was That's one of her first big YouTube. Brilliant.
1: Yeah, they spent a long time doing that. They did the, uh, it was all from um, the David Lynch uh something, you know, where where they did a whole series of stuff in the uh oh, what was what was that um Uh, What was that mad TV series he did? Something I forgot what it was—the one with Laura. uh, uh, Well, I forget anyway. Yeah, Twin Peaks. That's it. Thank you very much, chat room. Twin Peaks. Uh, That's that's basically that's a really good sign that I thought the latency was really hot between was really long between the video feed and the chat room, but that that came just in time to save me from a tumbleweed moment. (laughs) So it's absolutely fine. The latency is fine. Yeah. So she used Mm -hmm. the same methodology where what you have to do is you have to learn to sing it backwards and yeah. you sing it backwards and then you play it and then you record that and then you reverse the clip so it just looks very so all the movements and all the way the hair falls is wrong but what you're saying is forwards so she learns yes, yeah exactly. she learned but yeah made, yeah, f- uh, phonetically as juicy audio puts it in the chat room um but yes that's a great clip uh, anyway, that's the Aussie um, love fest over and done with. Um, not perhaps such as lovey as, uh, as, as I would have thought. I've never been to one of those really big rock <laughs> gigs, actually. I really wanted to. When I was a kid, or when we were just being signed, um, I think all of the um, Donington Monsters of Rock was all coming to an end, and I'd really wanted to go up there as, as a guest of the record company, because they all had, you know, the big backstage tent and but it was too late. It didn't, wasn't really happening anymore, and I'd love to have gone to see Snake and all of those lots, because I've got a bit of a soft spot for, for the, a good bit of rock pomp once in a while, but I never, I've never, unfortunately, been able to um, quench it, quench my thirst for rock, <laughs> live, anyway. <laughs> I'm digging myself a really big hole here, aren't I? Everybody's silent. You're just leaving me to talk myself into some kind of cul-de-sac. Right. um, So um, what's the next thing that we should do then? Um, uh, We've got a choice. We could do the the Camel Audio thing. Um, Well, I should mention that anyway. Camel Audio, Planet Earth, New Sound Library. Um, great f- pack full of great sounds for electronica, ambient, and dance music producers. And what they're doing is that that you pay what you want basically for it. Um,
0: you can't do that.
1: Oh, can you? No, what but you
0: I'll tell you in a minute. I'll let you finish. Actually, I interrupted you. Okay. Uh, what I mean is, it, what I mean is, it asks you how much you want to pay, and you can put any amount in between one pound and a hundred pounds. So you can't pay a hundred and one pounds, and you can't pay naught pounds. You have to put in at least a pound. So well, naught
1: isn't really a payment, is it? Strictly speaking.
0: Uh no. Okay, you can edit all that out then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, touche, Tinley. Take that. Ah. <laughs> anyway, it features 150 stunning sounds, and sounded quite nice, and what they've done is um, you can pay whatever you want. Anything between one and £100 is acceptable, and 50% goes to an environmental charity, Friends of the Earth, and you can move the split either way once you put the amount in. So they're being, you know, it just seems like a kind of good thing to do. It comes with the alchemy player, and uh, there's £35, Pads, 29 soundscapes, 19 arpeggiated, 17 loops, 15 bass, 11 synths, 9 keys, vocals, mallets, leads. Uh, and you can view a full preset list. And there's a really funny little video, which is quite fun. CamelAudio.com. But I think maybe in that case we should finish with the nice thing, good idea visually at least, uh, the Pablo Martin uh, touchscreen thing. And I did actually, what well, I, I was hoping to be able to play... Um, some kind of clip but then i realized all it is is him djing and i was hoping to find out a bit more about it but unfortunately his website's completely broken so you can't find anything else about it found this on gizmodo and what it is is a large touchscreen oh, a large piece of glass um, with a back projection on it presumably and um, he's just playing tractor so you know the concept is really really simple but i was looking at that and i was thinking wait a minute wouldn't that be absolutely fantastic as uh, a visual interface to a VST instrument? You know, so you just click anyone so you can get in and in about and um, amongst the knobs because your surface area is so much bigger to be able to play with. I mean, so I was thinking, Dave, for certainly for something like uh, Imposca uh, or any of your stuff, which has kind of got a lot of controls on it, that would, that would be a great way of controlling things. And it actually looks kind of nice as well. I mean, I wouldn't feel too disappointed if I'd watched a DJ, DJ with one of those, rather than just poking his laptop with a mouse.
2: It's funny. When I first looked at this, I thought, oh, another boring topic. topic." (laughs) And then I played the video. A testament
1: testament to my
2: fabulous research. And uh, when I played the video, I was like, whoa! This is what I wanted in the 70s. I wanted three things, to work in a darkened room, uh, work with computers, and do things like this. Well, I've got two of those three things, completely sorted. Now, <laughs> if I can get one of these, bloody sorted. I mean, this is awesome, isn't it? It's huge.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I don't know what the size of it. It looked like it's, what, it's like 40, 40 inches or something? It's kind of massive. Because one of the big problems with uh, with any kind of touchscreen interface, certainly the iPad or whatever, is there's just not enough room to get your fingers in around the controls. So you're limited. And also by the the fact that you are limited by m- either moving sort of linear up or down or, or left to right means that you're going to cover up a load of other controls. Whereas this, they're so big that you can get to it. It's just absolutely, I just thought it was awesome. That's
2: brilliant. Yeah, a very minority report as well, wouldn't it? Yeah. It was kind of like. And the fact that, that you could see through from the other side was like,
1: yes,
2: I want this in my living room. Yeah. And my and kitchen. F- <laughs> yeah, everywhere.
1: <laughs> you could have it in the, have it in the windscreen. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think, I mean, that to me looks like it could be, you know, getting somewhere towards the answer to the universal controller, although it did look like it's probably going to cost an absolute arm and a leg and needs a supercomputer to run it. But aside from those, you know, those small limitations, I don't know, Mark, would you, would you dig this?
0: Um. shall I tell you the truth you didn't watch it I haven't looked at it yet <laughs> <laughs> well done thank you very well, much like for your quick, honesty I've got to go and look at this quickly um, <laughs> no, I'll it's like something I'll you tomorrow. yeah you have a look I'll look have... Rich about it and I'll look at it quickly
1: okay Rich did you have a look well, yes. uh, of course uh, a few I, 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 was th- I thought you were gonna,
3: there was going to be a real awkward moment there but uh, yeah cool though eh very much so and I think that It's got a really nice live performance kind of possibility to it Mm. in terms of seeing like I'm envisioning the Tangerine Dream concert I saw in the late 70s, except all three of those guys has this behind them. In other words, everybody can see what they're doing As as you mentioned, it's a little better than watching somebody poking their laptop. I rather enjoyed that. Um (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I like the live performance potential, uh, visually you could, if, if it's, you know, if you could have big ones and behind guys where the audience can actually see what's going on as they're doing it. And, uh, it makes a lot of sense to me. It could be very cool.
1: Yeah, but I mean, you know, just the the, the sheer size of it, I, I don't know what it... It's bizarre, because, you know, we've seen things like this before, but nothing has quite grasped my attention as this. Because I was thinking, you know, if you had, like, uh, an arrangement page of Logic or whatever on it blown up to that size... You know, and you could, you could change the resolution. Imagine, you know, you've got a couple of buttons and you can flip applications. So it's all it's doing really is providing a touch, a touch interface to what's going on in your laptop. You could probably Mm -hmm. run it off one of those kind of little tiny, um, uh, what they called, um, projectors, the little LCD projectors that they're, you know, the pocket size one. You know, I I just think if the resolution and the speed of it is fast enough, that's just got to be. Got to be, got to be. Well, uh, Juicy says iPad, Nick. It's not, it is cheaper, but it's not, it's it's about the resolution. The screen area of that particular, of this particular unit is so big that you can actually put your finger into a knob and turn it rather than have to press on the knob in iPad and do this or do this to change the
3: parameter, which I think is the, that's the difference. But yes, it's probably going to be And the visual aspect of other people being able to see what you're doing
0: hmm yeah that part I've looked i mean, at it now It sort of got me excited
1: i mean because it doesn't look like i guess the expensive part is going to be the sensing i don't know what whether that's just a piece of glass with some sensors on it or whether it's something far more expensive i mean obviously you know i think the thing that excites me more about it is this looks like it could be cost effective that's what it is it's not going to be 20 grand
0: Hopefully not. Why isn't it going to be 20 grand?
1: Because I don't want it to be, because it looks like it's a piece (laughs) of glass with a projector on it.
0: (laughs) I don't know why. That's a good question.
1: Um, I don't know why it's not going to be 20 grand. I mean, it may be, it's a projection, and then some kind of touch interface. Interface. And I just don't know. Maybe, and it might only have been single touch, but I just, I'm kind of, I was like, ooh, yeah, yeah. Yes, please. Sometime (laughs) in the future. Anyway, unfortunately, I can't tell you anything else about it apart from it's a guy called Pablo Martin, and uh, it's a touchscreen interface to Tractor using something called Emulator, which is a large instrument display with access to all the knobs. And uh, unfortunately, all the links... If you go to his website, there's a couple of pictures of some helicopters, and then any of the other stuff is broken, so I don't know whether he's been taken down by... You know, being posted on something like Gizmodo, or whether or not he's perhaps being poached and is now working for some giant um, corporation that don't want his work seen anymore. I, I, I don't know. Either way, um, it, it's a shame because we can't see what's going on.
0: So these colored, this. I mean, I haven't got tractor, but that, and I can't remember what it's like. But am I right in saying that all this colored stuff on the screen is just what? Yeah, the tractor look, it's just. It's, like. I think, so I think it, it is. a Huge yeah. version of the the interface, then. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's right.
0: That's kind of really cool, then, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's like a kind of uh, interface for the hard of reading, almost. But it actually (laughs) works. It works very much to your advantage because you can then get in there and tweak things without without smothering any other controls,
0: or without having to use a mouse.
1: Well, yeah, but I mean, wonder because I mean, obviously, we spoke about the announcement of the Magic Touchpad. Rich, you were going to get one, weren't you? Did you get one?
3: I haven't yet, (laughs) but I'm still going to.
1: But it's you know obviously the operating system is being readied to accept multi-touch input on the desktop and the and 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 in the laptop you know outside of the iPad and the um, what have you those kind of touch screens so this thing could be getting much closer to reality.
2: Oh, his link's working now. Oh, is it? If I um, the, um if I look at his one.
0: video around one sixteen on that video he's got two hands on the screen so he's doing two things at the same time. Oh
1: right, okay, that's cool.
0: So, it must be multi touch
1: so dave tell me what what, what have you found because his his site was down yesterday when I tried it and today uh, monotouch Live is now
2: discontinued. new software born is called Emulator, designed to work with tablet pc standalone multi touch LCDs and rear projection screens.
1: rear projection Re- screens uh, there
2: we go emulator is a multi touch MiDI controller for Windows seven mm. yes no an iPad. Uh, where you have all what you need on the same screen, combine the, uh, combine the power of multi-touch the useful standard. Okay,
1: yeah. Dude, Windows Found 7, up. what are you doing? Oh, well.
2: Yeah, works on t- tablet PCs with a 12.1-inch screen, res, 1280 by 800.
1: But the thing is, that resolution would be fine, because if you blow it up that big, you can still get a, a decent amount of rotation on the knobs, and oh, well. Oh, well, never mind.
0: Oh, twelve eighty 1280 by 960 is is what my iMac's got, I think, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but that's, uh, I don't know what
0: my... It's the normal 4 by 3 computer screen, right? But just Yeah. But so, well, I don't know. It's still cool, though, isn't it? Could be, couldn't it? Could be. Yeah. Well, we'll
1: see. We'll see. But uh, I enjoyed that. Um, I think that... Uh, and that, I, from having a, a Surfeit of topics. I think we've actually covered them all, even though I didn't really talk about a couple of them. Oh, no, we haven't. But I think perhaps we'll save the uh, 10 reasons why your live sound may suck to another day, do you think? Because it's got quite a a long list, (laughs) and it covers an enormous (laughs) amount of subjects there. We've done a good hour. Uh, Thanks to everybody in the chat room. I really appreciate you coming in there. I think it's worked out nicely, and the stream's held up, which is always good. And instantly, I've been doing a practice run, because I've been recording the output locally to a big QuickTime file. Uh, that's what I'm testing here. You so see, I'm testing to see whether I can output the output of the camera switching software to two sources. So it's going to the Flash Media Encoder, which is streaming to UStream, but it's also going to a QuickTime broadcaster and recording a live stream to disk. But thank you everybody for joining us in the uh, on the show live live chat room. I remember, uh, 4 p.m. Wednesday UK time, SonicState.com forward slash live is where you need to come. We get a live video feed and uh, a chat room and all of that business. Um, Hopefully we'll be talking to Mark a little bit more about his openboatorchestra.com project. Um, Please go and check that out at at the aforementioned URL.
0: Please feel free to email me comments, especially the technical people, um, because the more uh, questions I answer now, the less problems I'll have to solve when I actually make the box that does it.
1: Ah, okay. Oh, so the box is still still in pre-prototype, still in design phase. We have a
0: very early prototype of it, yeah.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Well, um, okay, Mark, I wish you great luck with that and the openboatorchestra.com. And also, we'll say thank you very much to Rich Hilton from uh, sunny Connecticut, where I uh, I don't know, you off to do some kind of uh, studio session now? Or have you got a a free day?
3: No, no, we're uh, deep in it right now. Ah, okay. and And it's fun. Excellent. Always good working on a good project.
1: Yeah. And um, well at uh, Myspace.com forward slash Hiltonius. Thank you very much for joining us, Rich. Always a pleasure.
3: Always a pleasure here too. Thank you.
1: And lastly but certainly not leastly, Dave Spears from g 4 dot com. Uh, enjoy your BBC interview tomorrow.
2: Thank you, yeah. I think I was good today. And only said one bloody.
1: Yes, you you, you definitely kept off the... Uh, and uh, all of those other words that I could bleep out. <laughs> so don't do that tomorrow, okay? That's just a tip. So thank you very much, everybody, for listening. It's been a great pleasure. That was Sonic Talk number 185. Oh, I, actually, I, I should have stopped the recording because that's actually now on the Ustream thing. Don't! <laughs> <laughs> That'll teach me.